Hello and welcome to Preparing Foster Youth for Adulting, the podcast designed to highlight strategies and resources that help youth in care transition to adulthood successfully. Our guest today is Andrea Ferrero. Andrea is the co-founder and executive director of Pockets Change, an organization that inspires financial capability with youth through hip-hop pedagogy. Welcome, Andrea. So glad that you could join our podcast series again. For those who may not know, Andrea and their director of pedagogy dialect joined us for a podcast earlier. So if you're interested in hearing more about their organization in detail, you can go to that podcast. But today we are focusing on an event that they are hosting, Hip Hop FinFest, that's happening April through July. So I want to hand the reins over to you, Andrea, so that you can introduce yourself and tell us about this great event that you have coming up. Thanks. Yeah, I'm so, so excited to be back on the podcast and to be able to talk about money with you and share this amazing event that we have happening this summer. Hip Hop FinFest is a student and youth song competition for ages 12 to 18 to create their own song about money. We have amazing resources online that I'll chat a bit about. But the real purpose behind the event is to make money conversations happen in our communities and to use that as a catalyst for change. Because what we see is is we're meeting with foster youth in New York and California and online and all the states in between, is that there's just so much amazing creativity that's coming into the classrooms and communities. And that's sparking really creative ways about looking at the path forward And when we share that with one another, when we express our ideas around money, we're able to really take a strong stance of advocacy and advocate for ourselves in our own lives, with financial systems, for our friends and for the people that matter most to us and for our communities to move change forward. So we're really, really excited to have this come back this year. Hip Hop Fin Fest is live right now. So the student song competition is open. You can go to pocketschange.com forward slash hip hop fin fest and you'll find online challenges that include web comics, videos with our director of pedagogy dialect and other amazing artists sharing songwriting tips, their own writing and creative process, and really digging into the nitty gritty of why money conversations matter and why our wants are needs too. Wow, that is a fantastic summary. (laughs) I'm excited about it myself, although I couldn't write a song if it would save me. I just don't think I could do it, but I'm excited to find out more about it. So give us an idea of the logistics of this event. Uh, What's the time frame? Who can participate? Let us know what it's all about. Yeah. So as an organization, Pockets Change has been around for well over a decade, helping money conversations happen. So If you don't feel super confident writing a song, don't worry. We've got your back. We've got the tools for you to check that out and to get your writing process going. And really, the basis behind how we approach financial education is through hip-hop pedagogy. And that doesn't mean that you have to be a rapper, but we all have a creative spirit and we all have different ways of expressing. And we want you to bring that out to this year's fest, right? That to start those money conversations in your community... It could start with maybe taking a money personality quiz on our site and then thinking about how your relationship with money guides your financial decisions and then turning that into a poem. And from that poem, maybe putting it to a beat. And we have beats on the website that have been created by youth across the country. We have um, 12 different tracks you can choose from. You can download them and overlay your poetry and, and really find the rhythm. Pockets change, just a fun little nerdy fact. Our name actually comes from this Gertrude Stein quote that 
the money is always there. It's just the pockets that change. Taking that into hip hop, when we find our pocket, we find our rhythm, right? And so we want to find our rhythm with our finances and with the way that money shows up in our life. So to get started, you head over to the website. You can check out the online challenges. There's five different ones. They each have different themes. The overarching one is wants or needs to. And I think that that's so important because there's so much shame still around how we use our money. You know, if you're a sneakerhead and you love buying sneakers and you look at where that money went at the end of the month and suddenly you feel a sense of guilt or a sense of, of doubt and choices, but those decisions that feed us emotionally are really important too. And when we're looking at budgeting and when we're looking at our relationship with money, it's really important to make space for the stuff that fuels us and feeds us. And so that's what these activities let you do is explore that and then put that to music and to really, again, find your rhythm with finance to make these activities and these ideas and these concepts your own, but to also bring your own lived experience to it, right? We've all had to advocate against a cell phone bill when there's a charge on there that's not right. Or, you know, maybe had those feelings when you step into the bank for the first time and you're trying to go through the process of setting up your first bank account. All of those things are things that we can unpack and decompress with a beat. Who's your target audience? Who do you want to go to the website? So two different ways to participate this year. You can create a song. To create a song, you need to be a young person, a teen, between the ages of 12 and 18. And you need to be a resident of either the U.S., the Virgin Islands, or Canada. So we do have a wider audience this year. And to submit, you're going to be submitting through a form. You do have to submit a video file. It can't just be an audio file for your song. And our team is available. If you have any questions about submitting and and being applicable, you can reach out to us at smallchange at pocketschange.com. But it's going to be youth ages 12 to 18 that are really interested in sharing their thoughts around money and that have creative aspirations and want to explore their artistic skills. So this could be any youth. It's not necessarily youth in foster care. Yeah, but what we found is that our youth in foster care, they really understand how important it is to create those moments where we can advocate for ourselves. And to create community where we have each other's back in facing systems that have not been designed to help us get ahead. So financial systems historically have been set up to take advantage of our communities. And so when we have that lived experience and we start to unpack those kind of those money myths that are out there, right? Things like if you check your credit score, it's going to hurt your credit score, which isn't true. <laughs> check it and know that we can really empower ourselves and one another and continue to grow change in our lives and our community. So we really want to encourage, and and that's why I'm so excited to be here today. We really want to encourage our foster youth to participate this year and to show up and show out all of your skills. Wow, that's fantastic. You know, our audience is primarily organizations, individuals who work with young people aging out of foster care. So they're their target audience is primarily youth in foster care. But just to clarify, it could be other youth as well. So if you know other young people who might be interested, you can share that information with them, certainly. So I gather it's all virtual? It is. It is all virtual. So all of the activities, those five challenges to help you write your song are all online. They're all asynchronous, so you can do it in your own time and you can move through them. You can come back to it so you don't have to do it all in one sitting to create that song. You can do it over the course of the next month 
or the next two months to submit, right? And we originally had a deadline of May 31st, but we were just having these amazing conversations yesterday and decided to extend that. So you'll have until the end of June to get your submission in, which I can't wait to see what everybody creates. And then on the flip side, the actual concert, the virtual two-hour concert is going to be streaming on Spondulix, and that's going to be open to learners of all ages. So all of our program staff that want to spark money conversations, if you want to get a a listening group together and have a watch party, like do it. (laughs) We're going to have a replay on YouTube premieres the day after the concert. So July 16th will be the concert streaming on Spondulix and the day after we'll be doing YouTube premieres. We'll have our teaching artists in the chat live to answer financial questions. We're even going to have some bankers coming out. We had bankers come out last year and answer questions too. And it creates this community where we can really dig deep into all the thoughts and questions around our financial lives. Looking at or considering rather the song competition, is there one winner out of the song competition? Will there be more than one winner? Will you be showcasing the submissions or showcasing the winning submissions? I'm curious about the whole winning aspect as our listeners will be as well, I'm sure. Yeah, that's the (laughs) best part, right? We don't (laughs) want to leave that out. Um, Yes, once you submit, we are actually going to have we're planning on three winners, but last year we were so blown away we had four. <laughs> so, so we're leaving it open, right, to our amazing judges. And we do have some celebrity judges. Last year we had Sway, we had Bahamadia. This year the event is going to be co-produced by Rich Nice. So we have some amazing hip-hop artists and educators that are going to be guest judges that'll be looking at these submissions. We're looking to pick three winning submissions, and there will be a cash prize for each of the top three song submissions. They'll be featured on during the virtual concert, that two-hour event. They'll also have the opportunity to be part of an album that will be released following the concert, which will be really exciting. And then they'll also get access to six months of mentorship, and that's both creative mentorship as well as financial education mentorship. And they'll get access to a year's worth of curriculum on hip-hop history to explore their creative process as well as a year's worth of curriculum and activities for financial education and building financial well-being habits. And the really, really fun part of the prizes this year, and this is brand new for us this year, is we're also giving away to the top three winning songs, a studio and a backpack. A studio and a backpack is going to be recording equipment to kind of up-level your game. So, you know, mic, headset, all the good stuff to really create your next song and to keep sharing the insights that you have. Wow. Now I wish I were 12 to 18 years old again. (laughs) Maybe I could start thinking about writing songs. Just think about where I would be right now if I had done that. (laughs) It's never too late. There's so many amazing, you know, poets and songwriters out there. And there's always ways to weave it into our work. (laughs) That's wonderful. And the songs are about money in some form or fashion, I gather. That's, is it really that broad? It is. So Just to share kind of some highlights of what that looked like in practice, right? Our grand prize winner, JC Meraki, last year is this amazing youth from Northern California. And she created a song called Money Means. And during that song, she looked at what money means to her and to her community. So things that she explored were like the statistics that have created the racial wealth divide and how that shows up in broken down roads in her community in lack of access to certain resources like healthcare, clean water, and what that looked like on the day-to-day. And she put a beat behind that. She used another student's beat in order to create her song. Um, She used props in her music video. And then she also explored 
how then that translated to her wanting to build a financial future that included things that really mattered to her, like being able to help improve her community, but also to be able to go on vacation and <laughs> to be able to, to have time to relax. And I think what was so beautiful about it and what really captivated the judges is that she connected those community feelings, you know, when the struggle is real and you're feeling it all around you and how important it is to not just get our head above water and survive, but to build a base, a financial base that lets us thrive and that lets us build a life that really nourishes us and inspires us to keep growing and sharing. And so one of the things that has been fantastic is JC as the winner last year, she was part of last year's album. She was part of the concert. She got a cash prize. And then she's also been part of mentoring since then. And she's now participating in Macklemore's Foundation in Seattle. They're doing a career mentorship group for 10 teens. And she was able to get into that. So one of the things that we really look for in that mentorship is how can we broker relationships and how can we help our youth continue on their career pathways? Whether that career pathway is that you want to continue to grow as an artist, or it might be that you're really interested in entrepreneurship and you want to build a business. We want to have those conversations during the mentorship after the event to really help our youth continue to grow and shape the lives that they want. That's amazing. What an incentive to participate in this. The winners are getting some amazing prizes out of this. And so I encourage all young people to try. You just never know. Yeah, yeah. And I think one of the things too is that it's also a way of of giving back to our communities, right? When you create something and you put that out there as an artist, you're inspiring a dialogue that wasn't happening, right? And so with JC Meraki's song, you know, really looked at how can we continue to create change in our community? What are the things that we need to look at and be real about that are happening in our lives? One of the other winning students last year looked at money personalities and he talked about his money personality and how he's a paper chaser. (laughs) You can take the money personality quiz on Pockets Change. You can find out, you know, how does your relationship with money show up in your financial decision making? And he talked about this kind of this concept of this feeling to need to constantly be in motion, right? To constantly be problem solving. And it resonated with me a lot because I felt like that as a teenager myself. I grew up on the Navajo and Hopi reservation and my family really struggled for a while with money. And so what I found is that it created this sense like I always need to have three part-time jobs, you know, (laughs) and you're kind of like rushing from one thing to the next. And what I found as I grew and kind of went on my own financial journey is there were things that I could think about in my own tendencies to create space for myself to be able to take a breath to be able to reflect and be really intentional about where my money was going and to be able to take care of myself so that I didn't burn out. And that student, Dre, in his song, I'm a Paper Chaser, he really dug into those emotions around money and how they show up in your day-to-day decision-making. So there's so many different ways that you can take this competition and make it your own. We give a lot of tools. We have web comics that unpack each of these concepts, things like what the stats behind the racial wealth divide look like on a national level how to unpack money myths around credit, how to build a relationship with a bank. We have, you know, our teaching artists sharing these mini lessons and short, you know, five minute videos, but really ultimately it's making that your own and being able to create your own money story and put that to a a song and to use that to inspire others to grow and to create change in their lives. And I think that's what's so amazing is each of these songs that we see come out from youth does that. 
And do you link to the winning songs from last year on your website by any chance? We do. We do. So you can check them out. They're also embedded within the challenges this year to give inspiration and ideas. And at the end of the five challenges, our director of pedagogy dialect also has a short video in there that breaks down the things that the guest judges are looking for. Things like authenticity, sharing your voice, your knowledge and awareness of the financial concepts that you're talking about, how you share your flow, right? How you step into your presence on the mic, all the different things that each of the judges will kind of have in mind and the rubric that's behind the guest judging so that you can really feel equipped to make the best possible submission before you hit the button. (laughs) Oh, that's great. It's always so important to have the criteria there so that people can understand exactly what what you're looking for. So I'm really glad to hear that you have that. Now, I know that you had mentioned when we were talking about doing this podcast that there are also online lessons. And I think you may have mentioned that, but could you tell us a little more about what those lessons are? Yeah, yeah. So we really think of them as like pocket-sized learning experiences, right? It's a way to, to really dig into each of these core concepts that show up in our financial lives. So the first lesson, the first challenge is around your writing process. So it's thinking about how do you approach songwriting? And if you haven't done much of it, it's a really great way to start to explore that creative process. And there are short videos. There are also some writing tools that you can access within the lessons. This is all on our website. The next one really digs into why wants or needs to. So it looks at the emotions around budgeting, the importance of making space for our wants and being able to like assert that, you know, the things that you want are also needs. How do you create space for that? How do you build that into your life? And that's shared in a video. So quick videos from our teaching artists, web comics, downloadable infographics, all the things to really explore it from multiple angles. We want you to tap into whatever modality works best for you as a learner, right? If you love to listen to audio like this podcast, if you really like to see a face and you want to see the video, if you want to see examples of what other youth have created in their songs, if you want to be able to read an amazing Asking for a Friend webcomic and see it visually and graphically, if you want to be able to download a tool and practice on paper and pencil and kind of write out the ideas and play around with the concepts. All of that is there. The other challenges look at how our money personality shows up in our money stories and how to build financial resilience. And that one I think is so, so important. It's in the very middle of it, of the five challenges. It's the middle one. And it's in the middle because the importance of financial resilience is that it's not just knowing the stuff, right? We know a lot of things, like there's a lot of kind of those common sayings like, well, just spend less than you make, right? It sounds so easy, but then you're living and you're like, but rent and food and and growing and taking care of things on my own. All of those things hit us. So when we look at the five steps to financial resilience and building financial resilience, it's all about looking at the resources that we have at our disposal, but also being real about the obstacles and being able to acknowledge those obstacles and look at how they show up in our day-to-day, the month-to-month, and over time. And it's also, I think, really powerful to be able to acknowledge that if you're having a bad day, it doesn't have to be a bad week. If you're having a bad week, it doesn't have to be a bad month. And a bad month doesn't have to be a bad year, right? So we kind of, we go through these different stages and phases of life and that shapes oftentimes how we feel about whether we're good or bad at money. 
And we want to shift that idea of like, it's not that you're good or bad at money. It's that it's a skill like anything else, right? It's a muscle that we're building. And so that activity really digs into those things. And then from there, we look at the racial wealth divide. We go deep with this all. <laughs> and, and then we look at how you can really break the chains on financial myths and unpack a lot of the narratives that are out there that tend to hold us back. Ever since we first talked, I'm just really impressed with how you are providing financial education. Yeah, the money in, money out, right? That's important. You have to understand the basics of that. But you really take into consideration the emotions, the motivations, the culture. Well, I think what we've found in the last decade, and especially in conversations with our foster youth, or if you're a first-generation college student, or if you're from a community of color, or if you're a woman, like from all these different communities, we see these things that often are unacknowledged obstacles. If you were sitting by yourself filling out the FAFSA, right? There's like there's a lot of pressure and stress around that. If you didn't have someone to show you how to open up a bank account, if you had a lot of income instability, all of these things that are systemic but also are, are really real on a very personal level for all of us. And we need to have spaces where we can not just acknowledge that, but have support and resources and tools to continue to build, right? To build past just security to stability to sustainability over the course of our lives. Why do you think the gap exists that so many young people just don't understand finances? Is it a, a gap in our education system or does it go well beyond that? What are your thoughts on that? I mean, yes and yes. All of the above. So I want to say, first off, I think that it's not because there's a lack of desire to know, right? We all want to feel less stressed about money. We all want to feel more equipped to get where we want to go. It's not because there's a lack of motivation or a lack of desire. And I think that's one of those social narratives, right, that permeates is that there's this like shame and blame around it, right? And it makes many of us, and I've heard this from as young as six years old all the way up to 60 years old, it makes so many of us feel like we're wrong or we're stupid or we just don't get it when it comes to finances. But the truth of the matter is, is there's a huge educational accessibility gap. So if we look at the stats behind that, and this was done, the study was done by a group up in the Bay Area called Next Gen Personal Finance, and they assessed across the entire country. And what they found, and this was about, I think it was now two years ago, was that about 7.4% of black and brown communities had access to financial education. And then when we look at low-income communities, that's about 7.8%. But who's teaching it? That's my question is because I don't think financial education, I didn't have it in school when I went to school and that was years ago. And I've heard that hasn't changed much. It hasn't. So where do people get financial education in the first place if it's not in the schools? There's a real groundswell right now. There's a real push on multiple levels, right? Part of that is policy, right? We need mandates at state levels to adopt financial education for schools. Some states have done that. Far too many have not. And then we have an amazing, an amazing array of nonprofits and community-based organizations that integrate it into after-school programs and foster care and kinship programs. Too often those kind of fall flat. They end up kind of being money by the numbers, like you mentioned, right? Where we know if we just fill out a budget sheet PDF once, that's not going to lead to lasting change. We need the space to have these deeper conversations. And then part of that is 
is also kind of changing the mindset about teaching and talking about finance. There's still a taboo around it. And so when I started teaching financial education in 2009, 2008, when we would step into rooms with teachers, high school teachers that were thinking about integrating it into math or social studies or even literacy, there was a lot of worry about having those conversations and what that actually looked like and how to do it well. And over the last 10 years, we've seen a significant increase in the amount of teachers that now want to have those conversations and the amount of program managers that are reaching out and want to integrate more culturally responsive financial education curriculum into their classroom. I mean, even Lynn, I think it's amazing. You guys are building a community right now to share resources. And so I think that's part of that groundswell is being able to say, hey, we really want this. We need this. And how are we going to bring this into place by sharing access to tools and resources for a nonprofit? Sometimes it's going after funding in order to make programming happen in our communities. Yeah. Well, you had mentioned earlier, and I wanted to follow up on this, you had used the phrase money conversations or conversations about money and how important that is. And so I just wanted to ask you if you could elaborate on that as far as what do you mean by money conversations? Because it's one thing to learn about financial literacy and to, you know, absorb the information, but you're really focusing on the conversation in the back and forth. Why is that so critical? I think first off, it's so critical because it's part of breaking down that taboo. So just like as an organization, one of our missions, core mission, right, is to build intergenerational financial resilience, but that comes out in changing the way that we talk about finance. That means having these conversations both formally and informally in the classroom, in the community, around the dinner table, with our friends, with the people that we trust as our money buddies. Some examples of like why that's so crucial. I was in a program up in the Bay Area with foster youth and we had a two-day intensive, which is really fun. They were creating cover letters by starting with I am poems. They were building better banks, kind of like flipping the script on what a bank could look like in order to look at how fees are structured and what financial products look like. And one of the things that happened off to the side is one of the students said, I got the cell phone bill. I've got a charge in my bill. I don't think it's right. He didn't say this to the teaching artist in the room. He didn't say it to me. (laughs) He said it to another youth. And that youth pulled him aside and talked about, okay, let's go out in the hall later and we can make a call together because he was nervous about making the call and he felt like that he should just let the fee slide, right? And how many of us have had that feeling? Well, I'm probably wrong on this, right? I'll just let it go. It's only $30, but that adds up over time, that only $30, that only $10. So they had stepped out into the hall later and they made the call and then (laughs) I didn't hear anything else. The next day he came back and he was just like beaming that he had gotten the fee removed. It's those moments, right, where we kind of like lean into discomfort and we have someone that we trust and we call those money buddies, right, to have those money conversations that help us feel all the feelings and still take action and advocate for what we we want and really for what we need too. And so with those kind of money conversations, we've been really working to spark those between teachers, between program managers between our youth, because that's where that like sustainability to financial education comes in. That's where that groundswell grows. Because ultimately, what I would love to see over my lifetime, and hopefully I will, is that financial education becomes as readily available as reading programs and as literacy programs. 
think about the way that when you meet up with a friend and you talk about the great movie you saw or the great book that you read and it, you share that, I would love to see us have those kind of trusted relationships in those spaces to talk about money that way too. Because the way financial systems are set up, it creates this fear around it and we're not talking about it. And then it holds us back and we're taken advantage of. A lot of people make financial decisions that are not really in their best interest because they don't know how, they don't know what options are available to them. And how do we learn these things? Unless we're really incredibly self-motivated to go out and find the answers proactively, you're generally facing problems in the moment and make a decision in the moment, like this young person who mentioned the call and the fee. And having that person, that buddy, like you're saying, could get them over that hump that otherwise would potentially stop them. Yeah. And I think the other thing to kind of to share a story that was not so successful, and this is a personal story, but when it comes to money, we also, too many of us learn through mistakes, right? Just like you're saying, because you don't have someone to have that conversation with, you're doing the best that you can, and you're just kind of figuring it out as you go, and you try and get input when you can. I had a job in my early 20s. I was working with a tech company, and I took on a special project for them, and I felt really excited about it. And I didn't know that when you do a special project outside of your normal work that you can ask for more money. <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing. I didn't know if there was intellectual property being created, that that's something that you could ask for it to be part of the benefits of. At the end of that project, me and a gentleman that I was working with were both handed envelopes for the amazing job that we had done on the project. In my envelope was a $50 Visa gift card. In his envelope, I didn't know what it was. But we had become friends over the course of the project. And later, while we were like hanging out at lunch, I asked him, are you so excited that you got a Visa gift card? And he went, you only got a Visa gift card. <laughs> he had gotten he had gotten stock options. He had gotten benefits, much larger benefits to be part of the project. We had worked on that yeah. project equally. And the thing is, it's not like I went back in and negotiated and got these <laughs> amazing benefits. It was something I just stomached and felt uncomfortable about and really felt gross about. And I think that this shows up to, when we've seen this with some of our youth, with wage theft, where you know that you were supposed to be paid extra hours for working overtime and it's not on the payroll and you just don't feel comfortable to advocate for it. It shows up when you know that you did that extra weekend and they just kind of write it off as being part of a salary. There's these things that are happening and too often we don't know what the employee rights look like. Those are the kind of moments too where money buddy conversations can really help us kind of learn from one another. And I guess the takeaway from my story is that about 10 years later, I was sitting with a girlfriend and she was talking about a similar situation that she was in, but she was trying to figure out what she could negotiate for. And I was able to give her tips based on what I'd learned from that colleague way back you know, from what I had not yeah, done. Right. And right. she actually got a really amazing benefits from it. Ah, so it's not nice ah. those moments, right? Where sometimes the money buddy benefit is like, you end up being able to pass it on and be like, Hey, this really hurt. I really didn't like this. Here's maybe what you could do. And I think that's where the importance of money conversations also to say, that's also the importance of having a financial planner. And there are more financial planning services now that are being offered to low income communities and foster youth and historically marginalized communities by the financial systems. There's this amazing group called the AFC, the Associated Financial Counseling. 
and they have a grant. And so they offer free financial counseling. It's only for adults. So it's 18 and up. But if you're aging out and you wanted to meet with a financial counselor, they can be really wonderful at helping kind of establish a plan and get going. Yeah, I think a lot of growing up is learning by mistake in general. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And finances in particular, because we're not taught about finances. I mean, unless our parents provided that type of education, but young people in foster care often don't have that type of support. So a lot of us have just learned from making mistakes. And then you're older and wiser and you make better decisions moving forward. But how great would it be to have somebody, like you're saying, a money buddy, who can help you make better decisions from their knowledge and experience? That just sounds like a fantastic way to handle it. If only everybody could have a money buddy. <laughs> yes. And to bring it all back to the fest, that's what we're hoping you're all going to be. Let's do. Right? Like, <laughs> like create a song, be a money buddy for somebody. And <laughs> and when you're sharing, when you're sharing your lived experience, when you're sharing the things that you're learning about money, you're passing that on to others. And those conversations create generational change. Right. Now, does your organization provide an avenue for people to serve as a money buddy? I mean, it's a mentor in a sense, like a financial mentor, but Do you have avenues for that? Right now, it's just integrated in with our teaching artists that are in workshops and in programs with our program site partners. I would love to to explore that more in the future as we continue to grow and scale our programs. Last year, our curriculum reached about 25,000 youth across the country, and we just hope to, to keep growing that and expanding that. But right now, yeah, it's just integrated within our programming. All right. Well, for those listening, just keep that in mind for yourself and the young people around you is being that money buddy. It's something that is always needed. We all deal with finances from the get-go, right? Since we start thinking about earning money and going out and getting our first job, we need somebody like that. So you could serve as that person. All right. Well, is there anything else that you want to share about your event? This was really the primary focus of today's conversation. So I want to give you a little time. If there's anything else that you would want to share, now is the time to do it. Yeah. So the big thing that I would share is head on over to the site. And what is that again? It's the address? Pockets Change forward slash hip hop finfest. And if you go to Pockets Change, you'll see it on the main navigation screen there. Check out the lessons. Check out the last year's winning songs. You can even see we still link to last year's streaming concert. So if you wanted to go see last year's performance, including, you know, guest artists and the student performances and our teaching artists all out, you can see last year's events still linked there too. But check out those resources, start creating your songs. And we really, really can't wait to see what you all create and submit this year. I'm sending you all good vibes to have the winning submission <laughs> and win all those prizes. And for those who would be interested in learning more about your organization and the services you provide, again, we did an interview and got into the details. It's our fourth episode. So if you go to agingoutinstitute.org and click on podcasts and then click on the link to prior years podcast, look for episode number four. And that would be the one where we interviewed Andrea and Dialect. All right. Well, thank you very much, Andrea, for participating today. I love learning about the event. I'm looking forward to going on your website and looking around myself. And we'll also have links on our website when we post the podcast. We'll have links to to the site as well. So thank you very much. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you. It's been so much fun hanging out and getting to chat. It has been. I hope you have a fantastic weekend. And for those who have listened to the end, thank you very much. We put out a podcast every couple of weeks or so, and you can find them on our website, 
agingoutinstitute.org and click on podcasts, or you can go to just about any podcast streaming service and you will find us there as well. So thank you for listening. Until next time.